Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Jeff Perry, a professional audio engineer, as well as a blogger and a podcaster. How, how's it going, Jeff? It's going really well. How are you, Brett? Um, I, I'm warm. <laughs> Swe- sweaty <Yeah>. even. <laughs> What's the temperature there today? Well, it's 88, but I don't have air conditioning, so... Oh, God. Yeah. I don't know how you manage to live without AC, especially during the summer months. Let's uh, say I lost the AC in the divorce. So <laughs> I didn't plan to live without AC. It just yeah. kind of happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm assuming it's because you got a new place, not because the uh, the ex-wife took the AC unit with right, her. Right. That would have been cumbersome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I, left, I left her with the AC. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounded... That sounded cold. No pun intended. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh goodness! It it was, it was as amicable as one could hope for. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. How you doing, by the way? I mean, besides with that in the car, like, are you, are you all right? Like, let's talk about you for a second here. I've gone through some stages of uh, grief and depression and anxiety, but mm-hmm. I am uh, holding it together. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, like my. I've been able to work better because everything else is so overwhelming. I can't pay attention to all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've actually been able to focus on my work pretty well. It's the the benefits of, of grief and loss. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a silver lining in things, I suppose. But. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to send the title for my car to the insurance company because they, mm-hmm. they marked it as total loss. And yeah. Um, Turned out because I had just refinanced the car, the title was in St. Paul, Minnesota. So I had to wait for that to get mailed back. And then I followed the instructions and signed the things I was supposed to sign and then had to deliver it to them via UPS. Yeah. Got a call yesterday saying that I signed the wrong line and now I have to do it again or fill out an affidavit of correction that also has to be UPS. So eventually I'm going to get a new car. And it's going to be awesome, but until then, I am bumming rides. This is bumming rides and no AC. I, that's <laughs> that's my next song. You sound you sound like a college student. <laughs> I feel like one so often. Oh <laughs> uh, man, that's that's rough. But I, just I mean, need a, a Corvette poster and a Cindy Crawford poster. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> uh, <you, laughs> You just really need to to get enlightened and start to and start learning more about. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I just got. I got. I I haven't been in college in a few years, but I, I feel like I'm. I feel like an old soul because, like, as soon as I started trying to think of things to talk about that came with college, I, I immediately blanked. <laughs> well, like, like my college, the the only dorm I ever had was covered in like punk rock flyers. Okay, and then when I had an apartment. Like it was all decorated with upside down American flags and and uh, paintings that friends had done, and I I never had a normal college experience really. Okay, um, I had friends who had the like uh, Bob Marley posters and yeah, the uh, "Don't Tread on Me" flags and all that stuff too. <laughs> no. No, I didn't hang <laughs> those out were with everywhere in my high, in my college. It was it it, it was a weird. Where'd you it was go a to weird college? Day. I went to uh, Grand Valley State University in Grand Rapids. 
Um, it's a liberal arts college, but you couldn't really tell with the people that were there because, um, and I live in the Flint, Michigan area now, but I went to, and I grew up in the Flint, Michigan area all my life, but I went to school out in the West side of the state. And it's a, uh, it's a really interesting kind of, uh, dichotomy there because it's a liberal arts school and there's a lot of art and a lot of, of, of really cool things there, but it's also historically the, like very conservative Bible belt of the state. Like it's always been a, like a red area on the West side of the state, as far as like votes go and things like that. And yeah. you can tell that a lot of the locals and a lot of the people that go to GVSU, which is a division two school. So it's not like a big school, like Michigan and Michigan state and um, uh, CMU, but like uh, it was just, it was a weird kind of place where you have a bunch of this liberal arts education, but you also have these very conservative students. So it was a little uh, uh, interesting to kind of like see all of that's kind of come to play. And yeah. it, it, um, you know, not to say that like one side is, is worse than the other. It was, it was just interesting to sort of like be in an environment that's like meant for uh very liberal people, but like have very conservative views from the students that are there. It was just an interesting place. Yeah. I never went to a school where conservative views were uh, uh, everyone, anyone with conservative views always kept them kind of under wraps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and like, it, it, it was that was the case in, in in that school too, but it was also equally like like politics never really came into conversation while I was in college outside of um uh you know just a, like a classroom lecture kind of thing like politics was just never something that I wanted to bring up in a college setting while I was there just because it was so. It, it like it wasn't during the Trump years. Like I graduated, like while Obama was still in office and things like that. So it wasn't as prevalent of a topic of discussion as it is now. Um, but it was just it was just easier to sort of avoid that. Um, I, I don't regret that, but it was interesting to sort of think about it now in retrospect. Huh. Yeah my my year that I went to the University of Minnesota, I took classes on communism. Okay. And um, what else? I remember, there was a lot of politics involved. We formed a club that we got on the official club roster uh, called the Verbal Masturbators Club, and <laughs> we would we would meet start start meetings at nine p.m. and then just debate political theories for hours. Oh man, it was fun. Yeah, uh, it can be. It can we be, all especially up, if it's in the right environment. We all ended up identifying as anarchists by the end. So <laughs> clearly, clearly yeah. productive. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Uh, I mean, most of my time was spent in a television studio that we had as a as a club. I mean, I, that that was basically my. It basically is my life. Television, anyway. So AV I've club been, nerd. AV club nerd. Um, writer, producer. Pretty much everything. Um, nice. I tried to do like we did a show in uh, college that was akin to the Daily Show, but it was specifically just about the school because sure. you know there was that that uh, that that kind of two worlds in, in in the school there that we wanted to continue to bring light to. And I also wrote for a satire magazine, which was similar to the Onion, but also in a college setting. So. 
Um, I mean, that's what I, that's all I did. You know, it was just, <laughs> you, you know, you write satire. Like uh, one of my articles became the most visited article on the website and it was for a, a publication called the black sheep and they have place they have papers all across the United States. So their website gets hits from all of the universities that do it. But my got the most hits out of all the articles one week because um, it, it just seemed to be like a right place, right time kind of thing. Like I wrote an article about this thing called campus life night at the school. And it's basically just a place for like sophomore and freshmen to come in and learn about the new clubs and get acclimated with the student body and, and things like that. It's a really, actually a really fun experience for people that want to get involved in extracurricular activities, but it's notorious that like the juniors and seniors and in the upperclassmen, if you will, don't go to this thing because a, they've already done it and they don't really care for it. But my article was basically like, yeah, the juniors and seniors are coming and the police are preparing for riots because it was already so overbearing. And which isn't that funny in its sense, but three days after that article went live, Ferguson happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it got way more traction of people that weren't really reading the article. They just picked a headline and started sure. sharing it on Facebook. Yeah. And so like a bunch of people took it and ran with it. And, uh, <laughs> it's a different, it's a, when I was in high school, we had a zine yeah. like that, that we made on our printers and photocopiers. And yeah. because I, I went to high school in the nineties and blogging was not a thing yet. Mm -hmm. Um, so we measured the popularity. Of, it was called the anal intruder uh, top secret reference. Mm -hmm. um, we measured the uh, popularity of AI based on uh, how many suspensions it garnered uh, because it became <laughs> we would slip pages from the anarchist cookbook into it just to make sure yeah. that you got in trouble for reading it. So it became, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> it became instant suspension if you were caught with a copy of it. Oh uh, man! So we, we we forced it to be the underground satire magazine, and uh, not that there was a lot of competition at a small high school, but right, it was, yeah, it was fun. But back then, like, the, people weren't scrolling through and finding headlines and sharing them that way. It was all, yeah, very locker to locker. Yeah, yeah. I miss when things were that easy. Where you like, it wasn't as. Like the consequences weren't so high when you wanted to make something as silly as that or, or something as controversial as that, you know, like as much as I like enjoy like social media and, and things like that, it's just, it, it becomes a place where self-censorship is almost like a huge thing. Like, um, like, especially for like the younger kids and, and like if they want to do something like a, a kooky satirical kind of zine like that or whatever, like as soon as it hits Facebook and parents yeah. see it, like everything's ruined. Right. You know, like it, it's well, just, it's, it seems to be like a way to sort of hinder creativity in a way. Like not to say that like, like well, social it, media it, is it ruining opens creativity. Up possibilities for creativity, but at the same yeah. time, like the, the amount of criticism that comes along with fame. Yeah. Is it, it, it does cause self, uh, uh, censorship. Yeah. Like the first time you go viral for something you didn't mean to go viral for. Yeah. You, it is a horrifying experience. Oh, yeah. And for sure. It, yeah. It makes you careful about everything you do, which maybe in some cases is a good thing. Mm -hmm. But I know for me, like um, the learning experience of I, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but uh, early 2000s, I uh, a client 
a web design client failed to pay me mm. and he had never paid for his domain or the server or anything. So it was all still mine. Yeah. Um, and I just replaced all the text on his website with notes that he doesn't pay bills. And I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't trust a practitioner that doesn't pay his bills. Yeah. And it got, uh, it got linked by Mashable. Oh, and no. the server crashed. It was getting thousands of hits every minute. And um, it, it, it went under and he threatened to sue me. And I, you know, I didn't say anything libelous on the page. I was very mm -hmm. careful. But uh, the <laughs> the amount of uh, the traffic, the exposure, I, I never meant for anyone but him to see it. The site was right. getting like six hits a month. Yeah. up until that day but <laughs> but yeah it made me care like I, I i reconsider everything i'm about to do in light of how mm -hmm. that felt yeah that's what that's what many people would call a teachable moment you know like that's but i mean like i was in high school <clears throat> and i i had no drive i had no idea what i wanted to do with my life for my, like the first two years and uh, my GPA was crap, uh, and I, I, there was just nothing I really cared about. But then, because I was in a school that had privileges, and because uh, I was in a place that allowed for the the school to pay for things like arts and and, and this, I joined this broadcasting class, and it was basically a small television station that was ran by high schoolers, and. If I hadn't had that, I don't know what I would be doing. Because since I picked up a camera and started making videos and doing things with with it in a news setting, I mean, that's basically what it is. It's a television news station. So we were covering things that were going on in the high school and high school sports and everything like that. And uh, like, uh, like the teacher there... Uh, Randy, he was so cool. Like, we, he was the only teacher I knew on a first name basis. He was the only teacher that, like, basically allowed you to do whatever it is that you wanted to do. He would, you know, you come up to him and you know, he'd be like, Hey, Randy, I want I, I want to do a story on this. He's like, All right, grab a camera and go. Like, just go do it. Like, that amount of creativity in there was so awesome. Like I there were no was, real consequences, but like I wish it, it was, was just, still that easy to pitch a story once you start getting paid for it. I know, right? It, <laughs> it would be so much nicer. <laughs> so, but the, go ahead. That leads into your day job now, doesn't it? Kind of, yeah. I mean, everything started in uh, in that class, and that's when I went to school for and everything. So, and what do you? What is it exactly that you do now? Uh, I do a lot of things. My main title is uh, audio engineer for a local affiliate here in the Flint, Michigan area for a TV news station. Um, I don't really want to ruin yeah, my OPSEC no. or anything like that, but yeah, like I uh, I work as an audio engineer by title, but like I do a bunch of stuff on the side while I'm there to try and be as valuable to the company as I can. Um, I I edit the videos for the news. I. I help out with production stuff. I help out with uh, master control operations, which is basically programming, um, television programming, not coding programming, um, and a bunch of other things here and there. And we're in the midst of starting a new control room system where it's 
basically condensing all of these different jobs into one. So one director will be able to do all of the coding for the videos, the graphics, and the audio in like one setting. So we're in a transition period right now, which means potential cuts. And it's not my first rodeo dealing with something like this, but um but yeah, I mean I do a lot while I'm there, but my main job is basically just running the audio board and making sure everything sounds good. That's uh, a dream job for an AV club nerd. Right, right, yeah. And the reason I actually got that job was because my old high school teacher recommended me to the station at the time. Nice. So everything just worked out. You mean Randy? Yeah, yeah. Randy, <laughs> Randy. Uh, he called up the production guy, and he's like, you hired anybody? He goes, yeah. And he immediately called me. And I was still in uh, college at the time. They hired me in March. I didn't graduate until May. So mm-hmm. I would be driving two and a half hours from the west side of the state to the east side of the state to train. And then like the Monday after my graduation ceremony, I started working there full time. That is, that's a lucky, happy story. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, like I'm very fortunate on my end. I know some people that graduated uh, with me or just after me that are still having trouble trying to find something in this business. So I, I count my blessings for what I've got for sure. Right. It's a, it's a tough business. To, to do especially now sure and okay we've taken a circumspect route to talking about your day job but i do <laughs> want to talk about the uh the environment that you work in is very uh not just deadline oriented but it's constant deadlines it's not like oh, you yeah. finish something and then you're cool for a while it's like as soon as you finish something you have to start on the next thing i assume these are daily broadcasts yeah, no. Yeah, we do – how much – do we think we do, we do two and a half? We do about six hours of content a day. Wow. Um, on, on weekdays. On weekends, we do four. of Four hours of news so a day. So every morning when you come in? I go in at – I actually work a weird shift. I, I go in from 3 p.m. to midnight. Okay. So every it's, afternoon when you come in, yeah, yeah. You, you have a list of – of things that need to be edited mm-hmm. and produced and ready to roll that day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's wow. Mm-hmm. And I the thing is, that. is that it's an ever, it's a very fluid environment. And by that, I mean like you had, you come in with an idea of like, yeah, we have, we have news at from four to six thirty, and then we have an 11 PM and we have to make sure all the content is, is ready to go from there. But then you also have to deal with reporters that have to meet their deadlines, but sometimes things go wrong and they have to either go and do things on the fly. Like if there's an accident on the highway, we have to have someone go out there and record it and they might feed it back to us. Uh, or they might be able to get back and bring it in and ingest it into our system or, you know, whatever, like you have to be like crazy adaptable and it's a very high stress environment and it's not for everyone, but boy, do I love it. I love that kind of environment to work in where everything is just go, go, go. And it just works for, for how I operate in my brain. And if I've seen people kind of have trouble with that and (laughs) I'd be willing to bet you've seen more than a few people have trouble with that. Well, you'd be surprised how adaptable people are when they go into this business. They kind of know what they're getting into. Sure. Like we've had interns and stuff like that. Like they get crazy overwhelmed. Like I won't, like I won't lie. Like when I first started working there, 
they originally hired me to be a floor director, which is basically a person that's in the studio with the talent relaying the messages from the director to the talent of like, here's what's going on. Here's when you, you know, you give them out cues of sound bites and you cue them when they're ready to talk and you give them an update of how much time we've got. And all like, it's a crazy amount of like quick math you have to do while you're there to, to write out times and for packages and what time we'll get back in and counting people out. It's, it's very, very fun and very high stress, but I've seen uh, when I first started doing that, like I, I left my first day thinking I was never coming back because I was so overwhelmed with the ability that you need to be able to like deal with all these different things that you have to juggle with. And we've had interns do the same thing while they were there and uh, they got the same overwhelmingness, but like, you know, two weeks later they were back, you know, they're, they're still on the saddle and they're doing great. You know, like it's just, you kind of have to know what you're getting into with this business in order yeah, to Yeah, I assume of, there's some self-selection involved. Yeah, definitely self-selection. Definitely someone that's going into this business that has some, like some serious credits in, in it and they, they know what they're talking about. And, you know, we don't have to hold their hand a lot, but we do have to get them acclimated to the environment because a lot of the interns and people that we get to come in have never had experience in a television setting. They just know like theory and like what things are. And they've done a few things here and there, but um, they've never been an actual professional TV studio. And so we have to kind of like help them get over the hurdle of like, yeah, no, things are really fast paced here and things are, are, you know, things don't happen. Fires have to get put out and we don't want to do that. So we have to make sure everything works. So you've written about this topic amongst mm-hmm. a lot of uh apple news yeah on uh on your blog tablet habit yeah um tell, tell me a little bit about the blog yeah i mean uh the original idea for tablet habit was when i was ios only i wanted to kind of have something to write about because i was taking a break from podcasting at the time because i had been doing podcasting off and on for a while and i wanted to do something different and a lot of people were really, really surprised when I tell them that like, oh, no, I don't do anything else. I don't have a computer. I just have, I use my iPad for everything. And they go, really? And I go, yeah. And I show them some things and they go, that's really cool. And, and I started writing about being iPad only. Um, it's since changed to basically just be my own personal blog because now I, I, I own a, a new Mac and I use that quite a bit. But uh it was just a way for me to express myself in a way that wasn't podcasting because I was kind of burnt out of it, about burnt out by it at the time. So you decided to get into this brand new thing called blogging. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of worked my way backwards with new media. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it was just a way. Like, I always have to have something to express myself. I'm, I'm that's kind of how I am. Like, no matter how much expression I get to do at my full-time job and uh, which is a pretty creative place, you know, given the context of things, but I, I wanted to do something that was mine. Like I own it and I can do whatever I want with it. And podcasting was that for a while, but I decided to go and do this new thing called blogging and (laughs) and, and do that instead. Um, I didn't know if I would want to keep doing it because I didn't really like, I, I liked writing, but I didn't, I hadn't been doing it on a regular basis in quite some time. And it was just a way for me to, to try something different and use a different part of my brain that I hadn't otherwise. And we're coming up on a year now since I started doing it. So something I, stuck. 
I assume you're familiar with Federico Vitici from uh, Max Stories. He is one of my biggest uh, inspirations. Yeah. Okay. Um, he he also is <laughs> he also motivates me to continue to push myself to my limits because yeah. I know that 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 guy doesn't uh, like I I don't know how he manages to do as much as he does on a year to year basis. Yeah, um, no, he's like, pretty amazing. I I I really uh, admire his work for sure. So yeah, F- uh, Federico Vitici is definitely one of the guys that. Uh, really inspires me to to push myself and, and to be a better writer and to do better things. And um, a lot of your uh, previous guests are on that list too. Like I, I you know, uh, Merlin Mann's always been there on my list as someone that I really admire. And, and uh, you, you and me Alex, both. Yeah. <laughs> right. Alex Cox is on. She's one of my favorite podcasters, Rosemary Orchard. Like I could give the list of basically almost all of your guests in, in some capacity. But yeah, no, I mean, uh, I get a lot of inspiration from a lot of different people. And, and Vitici's probably on my short list. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. Vitici and Merlin Mann, that's a, yeah, short yeah. list. Um, For sure. But yeah, so uh, I, I brought him up, obviously, you know, he wrote a book called iPad Only. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when when you were iPad Only, uh, and I assume to some extent you're still using all the same workflows that you were before oh yeah yeah i mean the only thing i'm doing differently is i I use like certain apps that are mac only like i'm recording this with audio hijack right which is mac only but but yeah for the most part they're pretty cross-platform there are the reason that audio hijack is mac only is just because the access to the hardware just isn't there on the ipad did you find a lot of limitations in the things that you wanted to do what i guess what i'm asking is was it more work to not use a computer than it would have been to just use a computer? No, not really. I mean, there are definitely some things that could be finicky with iOS. Like, for instance, trying to record a podcast. It's not impossible to do it on an iPad. You just need to have two devices. You need an iPad and an iPhone and a specific dongle that works with a microphone that has USB capabilities. But, you know, with a with a Mac, it's not that hard you just plug a microphone in and hit record and you're good right but there are also things that i really like about ios that you can't really do on a mac at least not without knowing some special skills in in scripting or coding or you know whatever you want to call it but like uh there are so many things that i can do with apps like draft 5 and workflow which is soon to be shortcuts on iOS that would blow my workflow on my Mac out of the water. Like I think there's just, there's, there's a, there's a give and take on both. And like, there's nothing I can't do on an iPad that I have to go to my Mac for. And there's nothing I can do on my Mac that I would have to go to my iPad for. There's just different tools for different things. And like, that's kind of where I'm at in my life of like the, the whole the blog basically was like, here's a tool that I want to talk about. Instead, I want to talk more about the work that I'm doing and the things that I can do with my devices as opposed to that being the main topic. Sure. If that makes any sense, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm, I've been trying to articulate the, the reason that I, I use a Mac and an iPad for a while now because, like, I originally 
started this whole thing as like an iPad only person. And I, I, I think I, maybe just because it's, it's still in my head of like, I feel like I'm betraying the people that like became <laughs> early readers of like, Oh, he switched to the dark side or, you, you know, he's using a, he's using a Mac now instead of an iPad. And I always, I always feel like this sense of sense of guilt, I guess, you know, like has anyone actually called you out for it? Not, not the only time I ever get called out by it is by my co-host on a slab of glass, Chris Lawley. And he does it in the most playful, non, the, he's so not mean about it, but he likes to, he likes to push my buttons only because he knows how to. <laughs> but as far as like someone be like, you betrayed us. No, the community has been nothing but great to me. And the people that read my blog have been nothing but uh, supportive and interested to see what I have to say about it. And um, like, it's 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 really um humbling to sort of see that like um when you do something that is kind of like for lack of a better term like off brand when you do something like that and people are just like no cool i want to see what you have to say about it like that's cool that's yeah. that's really nice i found people overall very forgiving oh yeah i've, I've had a, a loyal following for a long time and never in all my years of flip-flopping and switching and uh you know, like I'll I'll profess love for something at one point and then stop using it at another point, and never has that been a problem. Oh yeah, no. I mean, uh, it's not. It's really nice to sort of have that human. Like we're all human. Like we all make mistakes. We all say things and then go back on them, or we all do things and well, whatever else. In light like, of new information, yeah, things, yeah, things exactly. Change. Yeah, exactly. It's not like, uh, you know, like nothing I've said or uh, praised or or didn't like or something that I've, you know, had one way of feeling or another has never really been swayed by anything other than my opinion. If new information comes my way, I'm willing to change it. And I think that that should be something that everyone does. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) All right. Well, that brings us to a halfway mark. Yeah. Uh, would you like to do a top three picks? Yeah. Um, let's see. My first top three is a product that I recently bought for my Mac, actually. Um, but also, like, I've been... I don't know about you, Brett, but, like, there's always something about having to, like, take chargers and cables and stuff that just really bothers me. And I always take my iPad and my Mac with me when I go to work for my downtime sure. to work on things. I bought this right, wall charger. You never actually take downtime. <laughs> I do you have to take a lunch. That. I do have to take a lunch, but I still work <laughs> on stuff while I'm on my lunch. So yeah, yeah that I, it, it, it's a gift and a curse that the fact that I, I just, I, I'm always going like it, it burns me out sometimes, but it's fun. But yeah, I, um, I bought this wall charger that is a neck tech four port USB-C power delivery. I'll send you the link to it, but it, it basically is this charger that I, I, I always keep in my bag with a couple of lightning cables and my USB-C cable for my MacBook. And so I'm able to keep my Apple charger at my desk and then I have everything else in my bag. So all I have to do is take my laptop, put it in my bag and I'm ready to go. And like, there's one thing I recommend to people is that if you have a desk laptop or an iPad that you have with you, spend the extra money and just buy another charger and throw it in your bag. If you go places with it, 
because it would be one less thing you have to worry about and and everything else and do the same for like your luggage bag too it's it's been such a, a godsend for me i actually own three of the charging cables for my macbook pro because okay they're you know they're the big warts Mm-hmm. And then you can add the extension cable to them, and all together, it's a bulky package. Yeah. Uh, so, so I got one that's in my office, one that's upstairs, and then one that's always in my bag for yeah. pretty much the reasons you're detailing. Mm-hmm. I, I packing up all your cables and everything every time. It's just a pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I've 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 joined the CGP Gray rule of. One is none is two and and two is one, you know, like they just sort of make sense to me now. Like just to, you know, if you're able to just, just spend the extra money and just get a redundant pack of things that you need that are necessities that you can just keep in your bag forever. Yes. What about you? All right. So my first pick is a font. Um, Okay. I, 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 my college degree is in design, graphic design. Okay. Um, and multimedia and Futura is uh yeah it's a classic font. Oh yeah. But you use it now and design snobs which once you're a designer you're always actually designing for design snobs as mm-hmm. much as you, because you know what people are going to say. Mm-hmm. So Futura has a certain dated look to it and uh a new font came out originally it was called Renner after the guy who invented or created Futura. Um, it recently changed its name due to legal reasons to Jost. I want to say Jost. It's J-O-S-T. And I don't know the language of origin of the name, but it was, I think, the guy who ran the, the studio where Renner worked. But anyway, uh, if, you, if you search for J-O-S-T asterisk, uh, it's from indestru- indestructible type, and it's, it's the best version of Futura I've ever seen. Hmm. I'm looking so just asterisk font. Let me see this thing. Futura has always been one of my one of those fonts that I just I love. It's um, an awesome font. Yeah, I mean when I was building a website in Squarespace, that was the font I used. <laughs> as far as like titles and stuff go, because I just love the look of it. But yeah. yeah, I'll have to check this out. Yeah, it's still showing up as Renner uh when I Google it. They, it's free, by the way. Did I mention that? It's like, pay no. what you want, and you can get it for free if you uh, don't want to pay for it. I went back and paid for it after I'd tried it out. But it comes with, uh, you can get it from Font Squirrel. You can get it as a web font and everything. So, Sorry, I'm downloading yeah. this right now. Yeah. All right. What's your second pick? Um, Let's see. What do I want to do next? Uh, Castro. Uh, the app, the podcast app, Castro. Yeah. They uh, they finally did something that I've been dying to see other podcast apps do, which is allow for secondary media to come in. So, like, uh, the only other app that I think can do this, that does this well, is Overcast. Or if you pay a premium uh, for it every year, I think it's like $12 a year. And you can upload your own files, whether it's a podcast that you record that you want to do quality control on or an audiobook that you have or, you know, whatever. You can upload that file and listen to it through that app and it will save your spot. And it was the only podcast app that did that for a while 
but now uh, Castro has done some really cool things where you can actually sideload uh, the podcast or audio file of your choice into your iCloud drive file. And it just automatically downloads it and you can listen to it through Castro. And that was a really good selling point for me. It was actually one of the reasons I hadn't gone to Castro before. Um, and for those of you that like don't know, Castro does this triaging for your podcast. So you actually choose which ones you download and which ones you don't every time the new one comes in. You can change the settings and, and things like that. But it's been a, a pleasure to play around with this app again since they added that because I threw a bunch of audiobooks in there that I've been wanting to listen to. And there's no file limit like there is with Overcast and uh, so I've been I've been throwing everything I can at it. Like all of my audiobooks are in that folder now. All of my uh, you know podcasts that uh, I have downloaded that I want to listen to that aren't available through like an RSS feed, yeah. they're in there. Um, like there's there's like hardly anything that I can't put into it that doesn't work with it. So it's cool. It is it's it's really really neat. And I hope that uh, hope that Marco Arment who does Overcast can kind of maybe take a look at that and see if that might be something that's worthwhile to offer for the overcast users, which I know that it's kind of a selling point for the premium thing, but I think it'd be nice to sort of have. I highly doubt he's listening to this right now, but, uh, but I'll mention it. Okay. (laughs) Um, uh, where do you get your audiobooks through that you have downloaded copies? They fall off a truck. Ah, I see. So I see. Yeah, that's kind of the way my Plex library works. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. My second pick is a Chrome plugin, and it is it's changed my entire browsing habits lately. It's called Workona, W O R K O N A, and it gives you a vertical list of workspaces on the left, and each workspace is a set of tabs, and you can have you can have a list of whatever tabs are open. So you pick a workspace and then any tabs you open are automatically added to that workspace. You can also kind of pin them by dragging them over to save tabs, um, which is basically like bookmarking within the workspace. And then you can have multiple workspaces open in tabs in the interface. And when you switch to one, it changes what tabs are open in your browser. So you can instantly close a bunch of tabs and open a bunch of new tabs. And then you can drag tabs from the list into another workspace or close them right from this kind of central um, dashboard area. It is exactly the way that I need uh, to browse. When I switch modes, when I'm like, okay, now I'm researching this topic, I just create a new workspace for it. And I don't have to have a whole window full of tabs sitting over there or remember to either save the session to Pinboard or use uh, like one tab to compress everything but then without a label and everything it's yeah no i love this i wish you could see my face right now because i'm i'm listening to you talk about what it does and looking at this extension and the photos it has of of it there i I wish i knew about this in college man like this is this (laughs) is insane i think it's brand new oh god it's so good it is I've used, I have spent years looking for the right tab managers. I was a big fan of Toby, uh, one tab, all great solutions, uh, looking for window managers. So once I had four windows with 20 tabs, each an easy way to see them all and just 
from one page, close them, and I found an extension to do that. But this basically brings it all together. That's it's so nice. Yeah. All, all right. right. My final third pick is. Um, I recently, like, this might be a little boring. We might need to pick a different one. But I recently moved my website over from a hosting website uh, to SiteGround. Um, and it, it like, it's a, it's it's been around for a while. It's not, like, anything new or anything. But it's new for me this week because I just moved my site over. And I moved it. But they, they just said when I was moving my website over, like, the biggest – worry I had was to move my database from one hosting service to another was that I was going to be losing something or something would break or what have you. SiteGround just said they recently came out with a new migration uh, service that they offer for free for anyone that joins their hosting plans. So all I had to do was to make a new admin cPanel account, give it to them, and they would take the database and migrate over to their servers. And as soon as they did that, it took like two hours in the do. And it worked out beautifully to where all I had to do was reroute my domain to their name servers. And I was done. Wow. And it looks like it's four bucks a month. It can. Yeah. I, I, I paid, I, I went up to the $6 tier. Uh, but yeah, you can get it for four bucks a month and you you have to pay for 12 months at a time or 24 or 36, but you can't do it like a, a per month kind of thing. But I, I ponied up the like 70 bucks. And so I have my whole, my website hosted for a year for, for cheap. And the service I was using prior was $30 a month. Yeah. So I'm saving a ton of money doing this and I'm overpaying. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it's a it's a shared server, so I don't know what kind of um, uh, resources you need for your website or not. So, well, my I, personal I, website needs a bunch, but I host like I pay for shared account. I have uh, hosting accounts with DreamHost and Media Temple. I still have some old ones with One and One. Um, I I'm spread thin on that, and you know I'm hosting fifty some sites. Yeah, but it's costing me a fortune, and this has pretty much everything most of those sites would ever need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. yeah. And I, I, I was working with their customer support because there were some things that I needed for XML RPC stuff to make sure that they had enough refresh rates yeah. for everything. And their support team was a knowledgeable and b uh, they're twenty four seven available. And I've I've talked to several different people, all of them. Or top notch, like their C, their their CSM is awesome. As far as like how they manage to help out customers, is that it's yeah. just like they remind me a lot of Hover as far as like their customer service, yeah. which is yeah. which should be a compliment to anyone that knows what Hover does. I, I'm really impressed with what they have there. Agreed. So yeah, SiteGround I recommend to pretty much anyone that wants to do some web hosting and not have to pay a bunch of money for it and. And get a lot of really nice perks with it as well. Suitable for so your plan it says suitable for twenty five thousand visits monthly. Yeah. Do they cap your visits? Um, I'm not even close to hitting that that cap per month yet. So that didn't really become a question for me. Um, as far as, like that would be something I would ask them 
because I can't. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have the confidence to be able to answer that. Um, but I think you can buy. There's a twelve dollar a month plan that gives you a hundred thousand visits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's, per month. Yeah, yeah. Still so there's options. Price. I would talk to them if, like, if you have a website that gets way more than that, then maybe see what they can do or see what they can offer. But I do have websites that get more than that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's a good problem to have in in most yeah. cases. Well, yeah, my I won't go into numbers, but I, even after a decline, the Facebook caused a decline in overall traffic. Uh, the the advent of people getting their news from social media instead of RSS readers uh, kind of it killed traffic for the indie blogs. But even after that, I I'm still impressed. So many people read my stuff. Yeah. I still, I still see a lot of people being like, no social media. I'm not doing social media anymore. I'm going back to RSS. And I think um, it's time. I think so too. I I've been pushing for that since (laughs) maybe it's for selfish reasons or not, but like it was almost around the same time I started doing tablet habit where I was just like, Twitter's not the best place to get my news. Not even like with an app, like nuzzle. Like I just feel like I, people should have more control over what they want to see. And the only way that I can really see that happening is with RSS, especially if they want more um, exposure to people that are indie web writers, you know, right. that they want to do more things because like that. What's loudest is not always what's best. Correct. Yeah. And algorithms look for what's loudest. Yep. Yep. All and that's, right. that's one of the bigger problems. So my third pick, and I think I've actually picked this before, but I've used it so much this week that I can't not pick it. It's the uh, fellow Prismo. It's uh, an attachment for the AeroPress coffee maker that makes something very similar to espresso with it. I use a lot of coffee grounds because of it. Yeah. But uh, I love the coffee it makes so much that I usually keep two different roasts of beans around with fine grind uh, just because... It's with slight adjustments to ratio between grounds and water, you can get different cups of espresso out of it. And Mm -hmm. I am loving it. Can I tell you three times a day? Can I tell you a not so public secret about myself? Sure. I don't like coffee, but I've always wanted to. Yeah. I'm kind of right now. I I think I have a, a problem I've quit so many other habits recently that coffee is like, I'm basically like in an AA meeting all day, just drinking <laughs> coffee. <laughs> like the one thing that the, uh, the addicts are allowed to do is just drink coffee all day. So. Coffee and cigarettes and that's it. <laughs> yeah, but I can't have cigarettes now. Uh I quit that too. You're just going to have to double up on coffee then, huh? That's what's happened. It's (laughs) it's not great because a a byproduct of quitting nicotine and alcohol has been anxiety, Mm -hmm. which coffee is not great for. No, it's almost almost like throwing a gas tank in a fire. Yeah. No, it really is. Uh, and in the current like political environment and everything, I basically have panic attacks now. Yeah. The world is ending all day long. Yeah. Are you going so, cold turkey with the with the cigarettes or how are you doing that? I I did patch I did patches and nicotine or patches and lozenges and then just patches 
And I'm on my second round of trying now. I like I had gotten off the patch, but had to hit the brakes because just too much stuff was happening. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't deal with all of it at once. So I went back to the lozenges. And the lozenges are bad for me because you can pop them like candy. Yep. And that doesn't really help you uh, wean off of nicotine. So mm-hmm. right now I'm back to just patches. Yeah. But basically, one time in my life, and it was just a couple months ago, I actually managed to go cold turkey uh, for a little while. But it hurt too much. (laughs) I mean, they say, like, um, and I've been a smoker since I was, like, 15. Um, And it's always been something that I've been battling with. And uh, I use an e-cigarette now, and I have for, like, two years. But I also was able to quit cold turkey once. And not by choice. Um, <laughs> I had pneumonia? like a, no, I had mono for ah, six weeks. And it was is, the worst. That is how uh, the first time every smoker who smoked for a long enough time quits. It's usually because of uh, uh, sickness. Yeah, yeah. And I quit for over a year then, and I started back up when things got stressful, which you know it's easy to do. And yeah. Uh, and since that, I've been using an e-cigarette, which isn't great for you. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say that it's a better alternative, but I haven't had a cigarette in two and a half years, whether or not a cigarette is worse or better than an e-cigarette. I couldn't tell. I, yeah, I, I believe I, I used e-cigs for like six years after I stopped smoking cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And I, I do believe they are a better alternative if for no reason other than you smell better. Yeah. Smokers smell bad. E-cig mm-hmm. users usually just smell like fruit. Yeah. <laughs> cotton candy is the one I get the most. I always yeah. smell like cotton candy. People can smell that on you, but it's not generally as offensive as stale cigarette smoke. Yeah. Um, but it is. it was better on my lungs. It was better on everything. I did realize after a while, um, actually after I quit, I realized that it has, taking a drag off it, has this huge energy drain on me. I get tired right away. And maybe cigarettes did that to me too, but nicotine's supposed to be a stimulant, so it was a weird effect. Mm. I think it's something about the PG liquids. Yeah. The propylene yeah. glycerol or whatever it is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something like some people get uh, different effects with that. Like it's it's a it's a big stimulant for me. Like um there are points in late at night when I'm working on stuff that I have to like put it away like i can't keep using it because i use it in my home which um which is one is is another big benefit is that if you live in an apartment you can have an e-cig in your house all day you don't have to go outside detriment yeah it's also a detriment (laughs) but you but you also don't have to go outside in michigan winter and have a cigarette which is really nice so yeah uh, but but then you have no constraints on oh yeah no like i'm i'm hitting this thing all day and it's really bad it's like, it's really bad. Um, it, pretty unexpected, but predictable that my pick about coffee ended up being a uh, talk about cigarettes. And uh, well, they go, they go hand in hand. It's like peanut butter and jelly, man. <laughs> yeah. They did for a long time for me. Yeah. No, but I, I like twice as much coffee and it, it, it works out fine. T- tell me how to, how to drink coffee. Like what, what can, what can I do to like coffee? Like th- to me, it just becomes bitter water. Like I, I, I want to be part of like the, the, the coffee scene, you know, like I've, I've always wanted to, 
to have that palette in my in my repertoire you know like i've always wanted to be able to to take a a, a coffee and, and enjoy it but it's just it's always been like a bitter water for me like how do i fix that brett i i would say find some really good coffee yeah i don't like i have always been a person who could drink anything yeah um i i could probably drink bleach if I thought it was going to do something good for me. Um, I, I, like, I can assure you it doesn't. I think I was, I was 12 when I started uh, leaving school to go to Quick Trip and get coffee. Um, we, we were a lot off campus. Nice. Lunch. Um, and uh, yeah, just, it became a daily thing for me very young. And I don't remember hating the taste of it, but I do remember not loving the taste of it. I just liked the caffeine rush. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was cheaper than jolt. Yeah. So (laughs) I forgot about jolt. It's still a thing too, at least in Michigan. I saw that a little while ago. I saw they had the bottles of jolt back. Um, but yeah, no, I, I guess I didn't really enjoy coffee until I started really researching, uh, beans and, and, um, roasts and finding what I liked and what I didn't like. It's kind of like, um, I don't, do you, do you drink whiskey at all? No, uh, I am a big beer guy. So I definitely know, uh, I know what you're talking about as far as like, yeah, you can make it a hobbyist kind of thing for yeah, sure. You can, you can go through the same thing with beer when you're, when you're growing up, if you're anything like me, your exposure to beer, like the good beer was like rolling rock. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're like, Ooh, I have a Sam Adams and, and you think you you have a limited palate and then you discover actual beers Mm -hmm. and you start realizing, well, there are some beers that I really like and some beers that I don't like. And now I'm going to explore more in this area that I do like. And Mm -hmm. it becomes a, a hobby. Yeah, for sure. Develop a palate for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, uh, I mean, like I said, I went to school in Grand Rapids and that's been beer city USA for a long time. They've got, uh, they've got bells there. They've got, uh, bells brewing company and yeah. founders brewing company. Um, a few other good. breweries there, a grand Rapids brewing company. Um, like it's, it's, it's a very, very good place to go if you like beer. And luckily enough, I did like beer. So I, <laughs> I had plenty of, good places to go to. But did you uh, like it the first time you tasted it? Oh God, no. Nobody likes beer the first time you yeah, taste it. So it's the same thing with coffee. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I just have to, <laughs> I guess I just have to keep drinking it to, to make me feel better. And then eventually I'll get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> just avoid like a lot of cream and sugar and actually taste the coffee. Okay. See, I have like a, a, I have a ninja coffee pre- or ninja coffee bar here that I bought for my fiance, and she uses it pretty regularly. And I, I make it make something every once in a while. Like I put a little bit of coffee in my cream and sugar. Like that's basically how it works for me right now. Yeah, that sounds about right. So for someone who doesn't like coffee, I exactly. Mean. Yeah, I, I just like sugar. Like that's basically all it is. So. <laughs> I think I'm going to try and, and see if experiment with different, uh, different, co- like, like tiny bags of coffee grounds and see if I can find something that I like. Well, uh, I, I would say, uh, the best coffee doesn't come as grounds. 
Okay. You have to buy the beans and get yourself a grinder. Okay. And then find the right grind for the coffee maker you're using. I I mean I if you're gonna I guess you gotta find the coffee you like first. I wouldn't invest money until you like coffee. Mm-hmm. But uh, like that's my plan is to just start like because I have a just get ground coffee and and at least get enough of that uh, in my system to where I I don't <laughs> grimace every time I take a sip of it. Maybe like maybe that's a good way to start. Oh uh, yeah, it's it you gotta start somewhere. Yeah. So all right. Well, let's tell people where they can find you. Um, we won't go into the whole Twitter uh, kind of debate right now, but mm-hmm. you are currently on Twitter as I am Jeff Perry. Yeah. And yep. you have uh, Tablet hab- Habit at uh, tablethabit.com. Yeah. And a Slab of Glass, I'll link. Is there a website? Yeah, just a, yeah just a slabofglass.com. Okay. And not just it, 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 it a slab of glass.com. Yeah. yeah. Do you have anywhere else you want to list? Uh, until like, I, I will probably go back on Twitter eventually, but I'm taking a break from it now just because it's just what I, something I want to do for a little while. But if anyone wants to get in direct contact with me, they can email me at Jeff at tablet habit.com. So okay. you can find me there if you, if you want to, if you really want to get a hold of me, like that's, I always check my email as much as, as, as painful as email can be. It's still a really good place <laughs> to get a hold of me. It, it will persist long into the future. Oh God. Yeah. Like they'll die. Like email is, is, is going to supersede snail mail. Like it's just, it, it always will be a thing. Oh, for sure. But it also won't be replaced by uh, SMS or oh, no. Slack or any of the other forms of communication. We no. Have. No, it's so it's so ingrained with the internet. It, 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 it nothing will change that. All right. Well, thanks for the time today. Oh, dude, it was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I, like I, I said before, it's always been on, on my on my list to be on the show, and <laughs> it was gracious of you to, to to just get a hold of me and be like, "Hey, you want to be on?" I, I was speechless. So Don't get a big it, head. We have really low standards here. <laughs> I basically uh, let anyone in the door. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, God. The, the next interview you do is going to be with a dog. <laughs> <laughs> There's an idea. There you go. Get my cat on here. Yeah. What's your well, cat's name? Let's talk about, like, what kind of cat do you have? Uh, the cat that I have right now is named Yeti. He's a large, white, polydactyl, uh, long hair domestic. Okay. Um kind of a, a, a generic type of cat really but he's big and he has extra toes so i wanted to name him bigfoot and that seemed reductive so we <laughs> called him yeti i like it i like it but he had a sister who's now with my wife ex-wife and uh her name was jezebel and she's a tuxedo short hair mm-hmm. and she talks she will have conversations with you she will answer questions. Oh my god, that's so adorable! I could actually podcast with Jezebel. Oh, you, you might. <laughs> that would be interesting. I mean, I don't Yeti, know. I don't know logistically if it's possible, but that would be fun. Yeti just whispers. He never really learned how to meow. Oh, he just, he just goes. Meh, meh. <laughs> I I've heard him yell. I know he has the vocal cords for it, but 
he also he does not bite or scratch me. Oh um, yeah. He yeah. he might scratch other people, but I just don't think he has it in him. He has all his claws and the, he gets every once in a while crystals in his bladder. Oh, that's a big deal, yeah. And then uh to open his uh pathways back up, it's a process of literally squeezing his penis to get a crystal out of it. Yeah. Which is as you can imagine a painful experience and yeah. he's been through that and he'll hold onto my arm screaming but he won't bite or scratch me and that that's, to me is a testament to his self-control that's yeah if if, if that had that happened to me i would be I, I, I don't know what i would do i would definitely be biting someone right i would, I would need to be sedated oh yeah like put people me under would, people would get hurt because that oh yeah gotta be a horrible pain oh. <laughs> so anyway <laughs> Yeah. Why, do you, why are you asking about my cat? I because I have two cats of my own and they're like my children. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I saw a book. <laughs> I, I I apologize profusely about like going on like crazy tangents this entire episode. I it's just it's been People a, it, always apologize, but I feel like no one ever realizes that's actually what this show is. Yeah. Yeah, well, because I know that you spent a lot of time with, like, topic lists and, and things like that. And, like, I'm sure you have things that you wanted to talk to me about that we didn't because I decided to talk about cats or... That's why I don't make topic lists. There you go. <laughs> I, I usually have four four topics in my outline. And if we run out of things to talk about, we end early. But generally, I never get to all four. Yeah. They're just... They're there to keep things moving if I have to. Otherwise, it's just talking. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. We'll do a whole episode about uh, about cats sometimes. I can talk way too long about cats. I could talk about the episode that I do freelance editing for that is literally a podcast about cats. So uh, I will t- I'll talk more about that sometime later. All right. All right. Well, thanks again. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you in a week. I want to let you know about a great opportunity for automation fans. It's the Command-D Down-Home Scripting Bootcamp this October, taught by two legendary scripters, Sal Segoyan and Ray Robertson. You can jumpstart your automation productivity in three days of intensive scripting education with limited class sizes, hands-on exercises, and plenty of personal attention. This course is designed for scripters of all levels, from someone new to scripting on macOS to the experienced scripter hungry for more. Since it's in the Atlanta area and Southern hospitality is a thing, you'll be well-fed in the evening before diving into iOS, Siri shortcuts, and the latest updates in scripting. The Command-D Down-Home Scripting Bootcamp will be held October 15th through 17th. Learn more at commanddconf.com, that's C-M-D-C-O-N-F.com. And if you use the code SYSTEMATIC, you can get the advanced entry for $200 off. So tell your boss that you'll need to skip work for a few days in order to get way more work done. They won't regret it, and if they're smart, they'll even pay for it. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of Systematic. You can find me at brettterpstra.com and as TT Scoff on every platform, including Facebook, Twitter, GitHub, Last.fm, and probably a bunch you've never heard of. Just search for TTSCOFF. You can also find Systematic on Twitter, so to tweet at me and my guest and for updates and announcements, follow Systemcast, S-Y-S-T-M-C-A-S-T. If you're loving Systematic, don't forget to go leave an inspiring iTunes review. Thanks for listening.